Uh, we hope that everyone at home will be able to just enjoy um, the service as, as normal. Uh, I'm going to sing a few songs here in a little bit, just a few minutes. And I would just encourage you guys to just worship as you would if you were here, however you're comfortable, whatever that means, just setting everything to the side and just making this time about you and the Lord. So before we do that, I'm going to just uh, open in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that even though we may not be able to meet physically, Lord, that we can meet together in some form or fashion and that we're able to do that together and still be able to worship as a body together, Lord. We ask that um, you just be with us right now during this time of uncertainty, Lord, in the world and in our nation with what's going on, that you would give us peace and understanding and um just a sense of security knowing that, Lord, that you are in control and that there's nothing that's too big for you. We are putting our faith in you, Lord, and we know that everything's going to be okay. And so this morning, I pray for anyone who has been already affected by the COVID-19 virus, the situation that's going on. Lord, I pray for doctors and nurses that are on the front lines of this thing, um, that you would keep them safe. I pray for our government officials and our leaders, Lord, that they would have wisdom to make good decisions. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would just have peace with this whole situation. And this morning, Lord, above all, we just want to come before you and have time to worship you, set aside everything that's going on, and just spend some time focusing on worshiping you, Lord, because we know that you are worthy of it, you deserve it, and we just want to glorify you this morning. So we ask that that would happen, Lord, this morning, that we would be able to just come before you, worship you, and glorify you. We love you. Amen. Burning inside out 
the love casting out all fear let your name rule the atmosphere and we owe it all to Jesus and all the shame deleted death and all its chains defeated and the light we see is Jesus and the air we breathe is freedom and the sound Your love rules the atmosphere. You give hope, you re- 
restore every heart that is broken and great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praises your breath in our will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are you. all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you lord it's your Oh 
worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I worship your holy name. You're rich thousand reasons for my heart to fight. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Your holy 
Uh, we're going to take a short break right now so that we can kind of reposition and resituate the stage for Pastor Bob to uh, bring us a message. Um, so ordinarily right now, we would tell everybody to get up and head to the back and grab another cup of coffee or a snack. So now I'll tell everybody to get up and run to your kitchen and grab a snack and another cup of coffee. Uh, but we'll be back in just a few minutes and Pastor Bob will share a message with us. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Bob, and I'm glad that you're coming in with us online. It's kind of weird talking to an empty room, but uh, we are going to do what we need to do to try to continue to worship and glorify the Lord together as a church. I want to say a couple things real quick before I get into the message. First of all, um, I understand some of our Navajo friends and Bill and Grace also are uh, tuning in with us and listening this morning, and to them we say yate. And also I understand that... uh, Jose Luna's mom is watching with us today, so we want to tell her we're, we love your son and we're thankful that he is uh, he's here with us and able to help us. So we're going to be talking about this morning instead of, uh, I know um, we've, we've thought about Hosea and uh, right now I just want to address some issues that I think are important for us as a church. Um, and I want to talk about being Jesus in difficult times. We have to think about this as believers in Jesus Christ and as followers of Christ. And we're going to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. I'm going to read that. And if you have a Bible or you have an app on your phone, you can follow along. Uh, one of the things you can rest assured is that I can't see what you're doing, and so I can't call you out. But I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say, Trista, wake up. Okay. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned from God to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So the first thing I thought about in this is as we uh, are followers of Christ, how, how, how do I want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? And Paul's addressing this. He says in those first two verses, he says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is interesting here because Paul links some things together that would be very familiar to them and also would be mean a lot to them. He's saying, we, we're thanking God for you. We're praying for you. Paul is remembering what the Thessalonians have done. When we say, how do you want to be remembered? He's saying, look, this is what I remember about you. I thought about this last fall. Bev and I went to a funeral of a, of, a, uh, of a close friend up in Pennsylvania and that we had known many, many years ago through a church that we had attended and, and worked at. And um, 
So we were at this funeral, and we met a man there who we both knew from college. Uh, his name was Bob Evans, and he was uh, just a fantastic guy. And when I was in college, you know, I've talked to you guys sometimes about when I was in college and how I was kind of like, and I feel like some of you are kind of like, oh, Bob, he exaggerates about that. He wasn't as bad as he said. Yes, yes, I was. I just want to make sure you understand that. I, I love sports. I played sports in college. One year, uh, I didn't do so well in grades, and, and the, uh, the academic advisor came to me and said, you know, you won't be able to play next year because your grade point average has dropped too low. And I said, what do I need to do? And he said, you need to take these courses over the summer and you need to get straight A's. And I did. Because sports was what I was so interested in at that time. And that's what I loved. Well, this college, they, uh, they decided they were going to put together a sports summer team that would go to camps all throughout, uh, up and down the East Coast, go to camps and, and give clinics on various sports. And there was, I was responsible for one with another person from our team and d different ones like that. And then we would, you know, play the campers, play the counselors, be involved in those types of things. And, and I thought that sounded great. I would love to do that. They were going to pay me money to go all summer long and, and represent the college and play sports. And the, this man, Bob Evans, called me in, and he said to me, he said, listen, we'd love to have you go, but a few of the professors here have said they don't think you're qualified. And I said, what? I'm not qualified? This is what I, you know, my, my sports, I've, I've done this, and I scored this many goals, and I blah, blah, blah. And he says, no, 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 no. They mean spiritually and emotionally you're not qualified. You're not the person we want to have representing our college. And I was devastated. I was de it had never occurred to me from that. And then he looked at me and he says, you know what, Bob? I think, I think you'd do well. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to push back. I'm going to work hard to try to get you on that team. Because I believe in you. I believe you can do great things. I will never forget that. That man went out on a limb for me. He pushed back on friends and pushed back on people and said, let's give him a shot even though he's not shown yet that he deserves a shot. And I remember meeting him at that funeral and pulling him aside and telling him, I will never forget that you took a chance on me and it has changed my life. It has been a huge, it was a huge moment in my life. I remember that feeling of being believed in when people didn't believe in me. And I remember how it affected my walk with Christ. And Paul is saying something here. He's saying to the Thessalonians, I remember you. We remember. We remember what you've done. We remember to pray. What do you want to be remembered for? How do you want to be remembered? And Paul uses these words in, in this verse. He says, he says uh, and I like the way he places them together in verse 3. He says, your work produced by love, by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance that was inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. These things are important. This is what he wants them to understand. He wants them to see that he remembers. He's echoing 1 Corinthians 13, 3, where he says there's faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. He says faith, hope, and love. These three will last forever. And we think of faith as some sort of intellectual thing, but Paul's saying here, faith leads to action. We think of love as some sort of an inner thing, almost a feeling, but love leads to hard work. He says love leads to labor. We think of hope as this kind of vague idea. We're not even sure how to define it, but biblical hope says it brings endurance into our life, endurance in difficult and dangerous times. 
Because what is he saying? He's saying this is all a matter of the heart. In fact, in, fact, uh, um, in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You know, this is an interesting thing when he says this, because in the 80s, late 70s into the 80s, and uh, right up to 1990, the, the most widespread, the most popular bottled water was Perrier. It was more carbonated than average water. It came from a pure spring in France, and it was highlighted that way. <clears throat> and it was the most popular bottled water, even though it was fairly expensive, in the world. And in 1990, in a lab in North Carolina, they were analyzing some of it, and they found benzene. They found a carcinogen in the Perrier water. Perrier suddenly became the least popular bottled water in the world. And as a matter of fact, in 1990, they recalled 180 billion bottles of Perrier from the whole world, brought them back, dumped them all out to make sure the purity of their product was good. What is the Proverbs writer saying here? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It is where life comes from so guard like a soldier guard your heart watch your heart care for your heart this is the most important thing security physical health material uh, well-being all of that stuff it's important but it's not that important it's not as important as your heart because your whole life flows out of your heart your heart is where your life is and so he says guard it and Paul is teaching them here. He's saying, I, I have seen this at work in your life. I remember what you've done. I'm praying for you. How do you want to be remembered? Because for each of us, these are some important things we need to think about. What is my faith calling me to do? He listed faith, hope, and love. What is my love demanding that I do? What does hope the foundational assurance that I have, what does it require of me in difficult situations? For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, a deep conviction, for you know how we lived among you for your sake. All right. So Paul is telling them, he says, I want you to understand, our gospel came to you not in just words, it was demonstrated. It was demonstrated in actions. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and, and conviction. That is, what they were doing was an incredibly holy thing. Paul realized that we're worshiping God when we live among you. How we live among you is a part of our worship. And we lived out in front of you what we believe. It pointed to God. We live for your sake. That is, we placed you above ourselves. And he says, and you saw it. This is key because of what Jesus did. It changed the way Paul behaved with the Thessalonians. Jesus changed Paul, and it changed the way he behaved when he got among the Thessalonians. And Paul looked at them. He saw them the way Jesus did. And it was easy for them to see his behavior. He says, you saw it. So how do you want to be remembered? Secondly, how do we react? How do we react now in this situation? Well, this passage gives us clues. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model 
to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. All right? Paul says first, he says first, you became imitators. That is, you were trying to become like someone. When you imitate someone, you try to become like someone. And so you became imitators. It's oftentimes uh, what happens with a child with their, one of their parents. They imitate them. They try to become like them. When we were, uh, not long after we were married and... <clears throat> We started having our, chil- having our children, and, uh, you know, I did, when I had become a Christian, I guess what I did is I tried to figure out ways of replacing uh, the curse words that I said with words that weren't so bad, and so oftentimes I would say uh, stink when I got mad. If something bad happened, I'd say, oh, stink. If I, if I you know, cut myself, I'd say stink. You know, it was, my, it was my Christian curse word. That's what it was. It meant the same thing as a curse word, but it was a Christian way of saying it, so it was okay in my eyes. And so I said stink all the time. Then one day when Derek was like two years old, our son Derek was like two years old, in the middle of the night, I heard something. It was a thunk. He had rolled out of bed. He'd done that occasionally, thunk. And I got, oh, and I started sitting up. And all I heard in that other room was stink. And I thought, he's imitating me. He's imitating me. This is what he's talking about here. He says, we're trying to become like them. He says, you became imitators of us. You started following in our footsteps. You started acting like us. You became imitators of us. And then he says, you became a model to all the believers. All the believers, not just in Thessalonia where they lived, but all over the place. They were spreading out. They were spreading the word. They were modeling it. And this word model is an interesting word. The word model literally means to strike with a hammer. It's the blow of a hammer or something heavy. And the key isn't necessarily the blow. The key is what's the blow for. And, and what would happen sometimes with Roman soldiers, if they went to a particular legion, oftentimes a part of their shield, there'd be a little metal cap and it would have an insignia on it. And, and they would have a form and they'd press that metal cap in and they would beat it until, the, until it formed that insignia. It was beaten enough until it looked like an eagle or a boar or a lion's head or whatever their insignia was. And so it was the striking. It wants to focus on the striking because the striking makes something that it replicates, it recreates. It's oftentimes like making a statue, you know, when, when an artist hammers away all those blows to chip away. And so he's saying, you became a representation. You became a representation that's brought about by hammering. In other words, there were blows involved that formed you into becoming this person. It's like if you go to a notary today, and what do they do? They sign, and then they pull out their stamp. They stick it on the piece of paper, and they squeeze it until an image is formed. And you don't all, 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 sometimes you don't even see it, but you feel it. You can touch it. You can feel the difference. When they hammered those shields, when they were done, there was an image of an eagle. You could feel it because it had been pushed out of the metal, pushed out just a little bit, so you could feel it. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying you became a model. That model involved pressure, and oftentimes multiple times of pressure. And he says also that model means people can feel that you're different. They can touch it. They can see it and feel it and touch it. And so how can I, how can I be Jesus in this time? What would Jesus do if he was in this situation? How can I imitate him? Well, I start to see people the way Jesus sees people. That's just what Paul did. And then our behavior 
begins to point at something greater than ourselves. And people can touch it. They can feel it. They can see it. They can hear it. But it becomes very real to them. And so, how can we become a model? How, how do the Thessalonians do it? Well, let's see. He tells us. He says, the Lord's message rang out from, from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What is he saying here? He's saying, look, there, there, you became believers in Thessalonia, this little town. And then you spread out into the region. You spread out into some more of the counties. You spread out into the whole state, Macedonia. You spread out, and then he says, and you went even beyond that. Thessalonia was on a trade route, and some of these people were traders. So what happened? In the course of their job of transporting goods to other parts of the world, they told people, there's this man named Jesus. And they tell the whole story of Jesus. And they say, Paul told us about this, and now we're telling you about this. And they lived it so people could touch it and feel it. So people who cut corners stopped cutting corners. People who cheated stopped cheating. People changed the way they lived. And people saw it. Paul says, and this is the interesting thing, for they themselves, all those people. Now, Paul visited Thessalonica, and then he moved on. Then he wrote a letter back to them. And what is he telling them here? He's telling them, I have bumped into people who have told me about you. I have bumped into people who have said, hey, Paul, you know, you're saying something very similar to what the Thessalonians told us about three months ago. This is really amazing stuff. Have you, have you heard the whole story? And Paul's like, heard it. I started, you know, he, he's like, man, this is my job. People are putting me out of business. What happened? They spread all over. And so they began to tell others. They lived it. They went out. It progressed further and further. And people would come up to Paul and say, have you heard what happened in Thessalonica? It's amazing. Paul's like, yeah, I was there. Right? He, all of a sudden, people have gotten ahead of him. And so when we talk about how are we going to react, we see their, their actions. They demonstrated it for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul brings it up. He talks about the same thing. He says, very, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. He says, be careful then how you live. Careful is, is an interesting word. It means to be able to see, but it has this idea that something is hidden and you have to work at it to get to it. You can't quite see it, so you need to get closer. Or it's hidden and you need to move things. You need to dig for a treasure. Whatever it is, it's this idea that you work at seeing. You look carefully to reveal something. So he says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. It's important how you live. He says, I want you to be wise in how you live. Okay, how do we do that? Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, we've heard about this word before. The word that is here for opportunity is this word kairos. And we've heard about it, but maybe not everybody's heard about it. We just want to make sure we can emphasize that. There's two words for time. And in, in this word opportunity has this idea of a word for time. There's two words for time in the Bible. There's chronos, which is time, day after day, minute after minute, second after second, and it just ticks on. That's chronos. Kairos means along this linear uh, chronos, there are moments that are important, 
There are moments that are full of opportunity. There's moments that if you act, <clears throat> great things can be accomplished if you seize that moment, kind of a carpe diem thing. Now, chronos is not a bad thing because oftentimes it emphasizes planning and thinking about the future. That's fine. But kairos tells us, hey, right now, boom, here's a chance. Here's something. This is a moment. This was not necessarily planned for. We're in a kairos moment. We didn't plan for this. No one planned for this. We have an opportunity here to honor Jesus. And this moment in our lives, in the life of our neighbors, the life of our country, the life of this world, this is a moment that is full of opportunity and the ability to make do something that could be incredible. So if we look at this in this verse, how do we recognize a Kairos moment? Well, Paul tells us, be very careful then. He says, look closely. Don't overlook. Don't get distracted. It requires thought. It requires prayer. So be careful. And then he says, because if you do, you will, you will see how to live, not unwise, but wise. So that means our focus has to be outward, not inward. This is going to be the hardest thing for us in these times. We worry about our loved ones. We worry about ourselves. We worry about our family. And that's not a wrong, bad thing to, to, to worry about, to be concerned about. Obsessive worry is not good, but to be concerned about. But also, he's saying, our focus turns outward, not inward. And then he ends it with that little phrase, because the days are evil. He's saying the natural way of things will go against Kairos moments. It will not be an easy thing to do. Seizing that moment, acting in that moment, will not be easy. There will always be good reasons not to do it. It will be, you will think, or people will tell you, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And on and on and on, the list can go on of why you shouldn't think of this as a Kairos moment or why you shouldn't act in this Kairos moment. They're never easy. In the history of pandemics, oftentimes we know that when it hits, populations kind of buck up and try to help each other. And then as pandemics run on and run their course, it brings out the worst in people oftentimes. We know from the early Christians, we know that in, in some of the major cities, in Rome and, and, and Carthage, we have uh, a lot of documentation of what happened in Carthage, that after a while people started abandoning the dead. They started abandoning their loved ones who were just sick and running. And the Christians moved in and buried the dead and nursed the sick, often at great cost. And so right now, we do, we see people, we see people doing wonderful things, trying to encourage each other, trying to help each other, and that's great, we want that. But I just want to warn you, there is a good chance that at some point that will stop. Because even now, even now, we see sometimes it starting to bring out the worst in us. We see xenophobia, we see racism, we see selfishness. We're seeing some of that already. And we have to be outward focused, not inward focused. In 1999, uh, we lived downtown on 68th Street in Newport News. And at the end of our street there, just about four houses down, was a big entrance into the shipyard. And in 1999, the steel workers called a strike uh, at the Newport News Shipbuilding Company. 
and I could come out of my house and I could hear sometimes the yelling or I could hear sometimes, um, you know, people banging on cars as they went into the parking lot. Some of you may have experienced that on one side or the other. But it was a tense time. There were police and state troopers there to keep the strikers from getting unruly and and there were misunderstandings back and forth. And, and, and for my wife and I, and we, we had four small children, uh, we were thinking, how, you know, what can we do? How can we, how can we be salt and light? The, we felt like this is a Kairos moment, but, but what do we do? And so we decided one night in the evening when it got chilly, uh, cold even, we, uh, we made a couple pots of coffee, we bought a bunch of donuts, and with four kids in tow. We marched down to the end of the street, and then we broke up. Bev took two kids, and I took two kids, and, and, and we went to the strikers, and Bev and two kids went to the police because they were on opposite sides, and never the twain shall meet. You know, it was like two opposing armies facing off. And so we just walked down the middle and then peeled off to each side and just started giving strikers and, and state troopers cups of coffee and donuts. And um, I know... You know, sometimes these things are never easy, because I know for our kids, they were carrying these boxes of donuts, and I think they were silently hoping that nobody wanted any, so that they would march home with them, and they'd be able to eat them. So occasionally on my daughter Reagan's face, she'd be like, here, would you like a donut? And the guy would take two, and she'd be like, oh, here, would you like a donut? No, please. And, and I could see, but, but we were there. Why, why, what were we doing there? We just figured, this is a moment. This is something that can break down walls. And so we thought creatively about what we could do. And so that brings me to the third point. What can we do? And this is more between you and your family, you and God, than anything I could say. I can make a few suggestions, but the problem is when I make suggestions, if you focus just on those suggestions, it, it will be overwhelming. You won't be able to do Too many people want to do the same things. And so what we have to do in these difficult times is something we studied in the book of James. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. So what is it? We're in a time where maybe we're being tested. I mean, right now we're not suffering terribly, but it could get worse. It could get much worse. People will start losing jobs. People will start running out of money. I mean, one of the reasons we're asking you to help us financially, to continue to help us mailing it in or giving online, is because we know there's, coming, there's a possibility that a time is coming where we will have members of our fellowship that are desperately hurting, and we want to be able to act. We want to be able to react in a way that will honor and glorify God, that we can all be a part of this. And so, in a time of difficulty, what does he say? He says, first of all, allow that difficulty to shape you, hammer blows, to model you more like Jesus. Secondly, he says, if you're not sure, pray. This is a great thing, man, for parents with children at home. Pray with them. Say, kids, what can we do? Pray with them, and then let them give you ideas. All right, make this a matter of prayer. Pull your children into it. Brainstorm together. Call people you know. Just call people just to see how they're doing. Send emails, text. Go way out of control and write a letter. P 
People love letters. This past Friday night, our whole family uh, um, got on Google Hangout, and we, we, it was just great to talk and see each other and laugh together, even though we couldn't visit each other and we're all spread out. What are we going to do? Well, first, we've got to think about, are there people in your neighborhood that need help? There's no way we will know that. Only you, you live there. Only you can know that. And if you don't know it, how can you find out? I know of one person that's put up a flyer just saying, I'm willing to do this, this, this. And they went through their neighborhood and left it at 20 homes doors. I'm willing to do this. Give me a call. I'll go shopping for you. I'll go to the pharmacy for you. Do you need some leaves, Rake? Do you need your grass mowed? I will do it. Think of ways that you can do that. Go out for a walk. Be seen by people. See people and be seen by people. Saying hi and how are you. Think of things that people in your neighborhood may need. Think of things that people where you work may need and offer to help. We got word late this week that Thrive needs help. There's still some food banks are closing, but Thrive is still trying to distribute food. They're, they've changed their, the, the way they do it. They pack food in a bag, and then when somebody when the people pull up, they just go out and hand them the bag in their car so there's, there's no contact and it's minim, minimal risk. But Thrive, uh, a lot of the people who help there are elderly and are not able to come anymore. Meals on Wheels. I don't, I've heard that Meals on Wheels is struggling. Man, you, you know, it won't help to call them and say, I can deliver some food. Now, everyone has to be wise in doing this. All right? Don't take chances that are unnecessary. But if you're looking for something to do, be creative and think about it. Look for the Kairos moment. Pray for the Kairos moment. Pray that God will open your eyes to what you can do. And understand this, Kairos moments are never easy. They always are difficult. We also want to invite you to contact us through our website. If you have needs, contact us. Let us know. If you need help, we have people now ready to help. If, you're, if you want to help, contact us. Let us know. We'll put your name on the list. And as we get needs, we will let you know. Do you, would you like someone to pray with you? Let us know. And one of the things we're thinking about, it's going to be coming up on our website in the next day or two. We're hoping to have a, a prayer time together as a church, just like this, live streamed in. And uh, you can write out your prayer request, a prayer request on the comments. I will be just leading in prayer and trusting that those who are uh, in on the live stream are praying at home so that we as a church can have this time of prayer for, for our fellow believers and, and, and for our country, for our, our neighborhoods, for everyone. I also encourage you, uh, we're posting about twice a week now, we've started doing it more, a, a, a little series, I just call it Not a Message, Just a Thought, and it's usually under five minutes or around five minutes of just t- teaching about things that I think are are, uh, can be helpful to us, that are biblical and interesting and, and are worth listening to. They're not a whole sermon. It's just a short time. So we, we appreciate all of you being here. I appreciate you being here. I don't know if you guys have all left or not, but I appreciate uh, that I'm pretending that you're here. And uh, I just want to close with prayer, but first of all, I want you to know we love you guys. We love you deeply and we miss you. This is a hard thing to preach to an empty, empty room. Um, but knowing that, that people are listening and people are taking this to heart is, is a great encouragement because this is a part of what we want to do uh, as a church. 
So let's pray together and then we'll close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lives of the Thessalonians. Lord, they endured hardship to become more like Jesus. Father, we want to be more like Jesus. Nobody here, nobody listening wants to pray for hardship. But Lord, we also know that sometimes hardship comes. So help us to embrace it, allow it to change us, and to become more like your son. And Father, we thank you that in the midst of all this, we can have faith, hope, and love. We can have these three things that will never pass. They will never, they will never end. And we can share those things with our neighbors. God, this is a Kairos moment for the church of Jesus Christ all over the world. Help us to step up and accomplish what you want to accomplish for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.